This is Pastor Mike from Jordan Lutheran Church, and you're about to hear one of our Sunday morning messages. At Jordan, we're passionate about learning from the Bible and pray that this message makes an impact in your life. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We're going to continue our journey of, mark my words, looking to the gospel of Mark, hearing what God has to say for us, and to do that, there's no better way than to actually open up the good book. So if you'll turn with me, Mark chapter 6, we're going to be there and we're going to hear about King, anyone remember? Herod. Now you have to ask yourself this question, and maybe you didn't know it, but you do need to ask it, which King Herod? Because when you think of King Herod, most of you are thinking of... Yeah, Christmas, that's right. So you're thinking King Herod, you're going Christmas King Herod. Well, you're in the right family, but the wrong what? Yeah, wrong generation. This is the son. So this is the son of what was sometimes referred to as Herod the Great. So you're in the right family, but realize some time has passed. We've had a couple decades that have moved from that moment. We now have Jesus not as an infant. We have Jesus now as uh, a man. But this is the account, not specifically uh, of Jesus. This is what's happening with John the Baptist So again, Herod the Great's son, so take that Christmas story knowledge you have and just propel it forward and go, ha-ha, what is it that King Herod, the son of Herod the Great, is up to? Mark chapter 6, verse 16, as we jump into this text. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. That's a weird place to start a sermon, right? You're like, wow, a sermon that starts with beheadings. Well, what you kind of have is like this flashback account this morning, meaning John is hearing about Jesus going out and about, and he's immediately worried, not about good teaching. People are curious who this teacher is, and he goes, you know what? I bet this is, it's coming back around for me. This isn't Elijah. This isn't anyone else. This is John the Baptist. I had his head taken off. I had it put on a platter, and he's coming back for me. (laughs) He's probably not listening all that well to what John's saying, well, it's not John, though, is it? It's really Jesus, because he's convinced he's going to get his number up. Now, we need to go back and kind of uh, unpack this a little, because this whole day is really about family. So don't raise your hand whether you like family or not. Just kind of realize maybe it's a sit-on-your-hand kind of day, but this is about crazy, exciting, discouraging, marvelous, beautiful, dirty, disgusting, muddy, happy family. That's what it's about. Because to understand what King Herod is facing, you have to understand his family. Now, you want some family dynamics fun? King Herod's got some fun family dynamics. So, just so we can unpack it a little bit, remember, it is King Herod who has decided that he's got eyes for Hmm, let's think of all the great ideas. I have eyes for my brother's wife. Excellent. Excellent. I have eyes for my brother's wife. So I'm going to have to divorce my wife, and my brother's wife's going to have to leave. Now, do you know who Herodias is married to? Another king. Another king's daughter, King Nabotea, who happens to be the ruling a kingdom east of the Dead Sea. So when it comes to like, you know, like, remember the other biblical account, divorce her quietly? Remember that with Joseph? 
This is not a divorce her quietly moment. One doesn't divorce quietly uh, king's daughters. It's just not something that you can kind of do. I mean, you remember the whole account of how that went in the royal family of Great Britain when they decided to have a divorce? How's the family dealing with that? You can all have your different opinions on it, but some people probably still recall that. So this is Herod who says, I want to marry my brother's wife who just happens to be the daughter of King Nebuchadnezzar, another kingdom who it was probably a good thing that we had had all these families connected, but now these kingdoms probably don't. You feel different about someone when they say no to your daughter after saying yes in marriage. You just do. I'm not saying there isn't forgiveness. I'm just saying you feel different. All these emotions are happening. So King Herod is worried that John the Baptist is back. And we haven't even gotten to where it gets really interesting. See, it gets even more interesting as we start to look through the reading. So this is verse 17 and 18. For it was Herod who had been sent and seized John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Don't you love the scripture? Make sure you realize. (laughs) Yeah, still Philip's wife. (laughs) Yeah. You can even want to marry her, but Philip's wife. This was someone else's wife. So Herodias, once they do get married, doesn't like John the Baptist at all because John the Baptist had the audacity. Are you ready for this? The audacity to tell the king, don't steal your brother's wife. See, there are certain boundaries and certain social mores that seem so obvious Like, I hope you realize stealing your brother's wife's a bad idea, right? Can we at least agree on that? Okay. And trust me, there's lots of different family dynamics here, but this one's kind of a pretty easy. But how this plays out between Herodias and how it plays out with Herod is rather interesting. So he had him bound in prison, writes the text, for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because he had married her. For John had been saying to Herod, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So he has John the Baptist put in prison to make Herodias happy. So his wife, he's trying to make his new wife, which again he took from his brother, happy, puts John in prison. But then I think one of the most astounding things in this passage comes out. You see, John the Baptist is saying things that King Herod kind of is intrigued by. He puts him in prison, and when he heard him, he's greatly perplexed, and yet he heard him gladly. Isn't that interesting? So for Herodias, the wife that he shouldn't have married, he puts John the Baptist in prison, is perplexed by the fact that he's saying all these things that would probably be what? What's John known for saying? Repent, the kingdom of heaven is... Near. I guarantee you John said that at least once, if not probably every time he saw the king. So he's perplexed, not sure, but then gladly hears him, but keeps him in prison. So my question for you is whether or not when it comes to God's word, do we at times act like King Herod? We like what God has to say. We're kind of perplexed by it. He seems to be poking and pressing at us. But we'd rather keep God's word in prison, just in one place. God's word's for church. It's for church time. We'll keep it there. We won't call it prison. We'll just call it church. Because if I told pastor his word is in prison, that, that would go over really poorly. So instead, I'll say, I love your sermon. Now, please, I'm not saying I don't appreciate when someone says they enjoy the preached word. 
But a sermon stinks if it only stays here. I, I could have like the best sermon for you like here, but if that sermon never connects to heart or mind, guess what? It wasn't a good sermon. It was a really bad one because it did nothing. So he's perplexed, that is King Herod, by what John the Baptist is saying. But glad to hear him. He just wants the happy moments because he likes what John's saying. There's something about it, but he's not willing to make any change at all until, until the snare. What's the snare? The snare is a party. Parties are always, they always end good, right? Parties always end well. Remember when you were in high school, when you were in college or junior college or whatever that was, and you're like, yeah, there's a party. It's going to be great. Every single one of those moments always ended well, right? You always came home. That was a great night. Everyone really helped build me up. I feel so much better about myself. Yeah, you laugh because you're like, well, a couple parties. Then there were some others that were a little bit different. Guess what? This one's a little bit different. Because as Herodias comes in, the daughter comes in and is dancing. So Herodias' daughter is dancing, having fun, and he's so excited. That is King Herod. He goes, you can have anything you want, up to half the kingdom. And then she being a very nice daughter, right? Most of you would agree this is a pretty nice thing. She's got whatever she wants up to half the kingdom, and she says, all right, I'll go check in with mom. Hey, mom, we get half of the kingdom. What do you want? She's probably like, you know, because if she did something silly, you know, it's the whole if you had three wishes and you're all like, well, you wouldn't wish for that. You would have wished for what? Everyone knows this, right? Yeah, everyone knows. More wishes. We all know it. It's now like in these genie stories, like, no, you can't wish for more wishes. So she's like, I want to make sure I do the right thing. Goes to mom and then gets the weirdest request ever. I want John the Baptist's head on a platter. You see, she's still cut. You don't tell me who to marry and not to marry. I will do with my body, my life, my relationships as I want. And God, you don't get to tell me. She didn't like John. She wasn't perplexed by him. She was angry. She was ticked. She was hot. And she was going to wait for the moment. And here it is. The moment came and she took it. She said, this is it. She knew her new husband well. She knew that he was all about keeping up appearances. She knew what was going to keep him going. And she knew that in this place, at this time with these people, his word was his bond. Which I hope you realize is a little bit odd, right? I don't know if you've ever really looked at this story in a whole lot of depth to realize how tragic this promise is. Verse 26 and 27, and the king was exceedingly sorry. But because of his oaths, you get exceedingly sorry. But because of his oaths and his guests, he did not want to break his word to her. And immediately the king sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. Do you catch how odd this is, the thinking of King Herod? He wants to keep his word, except he forgot that he'd lied to his first wife. Kept no promise to her. That doesn't seem to be an issue. He's not worried about the fact that people might remember that his promise isn't always real. His bond isn't always his word. And he forgot that he had his brother's marriage destroyed. He forgot King Nabotea, whose daughter he had said no to. Doesn't seem to recall that. And he forgot that he's actually wishing John the Baptist dead. His word is killing the man, literally cutting his head off. But he's worried 
He's exceedingly sorry. So that makes it all right, because he's exceedingly sorry. And he doesn't want people to think ill of him. The stuff that we hide behind in life, the stuff we hide behind in church, the stuff we hide behind in so many places and corners of our life is astounding when a light is shown on it. It sounds like King Herod's trying to be a good guy and he feels bad and he wants to keep his word. He was never a man of his word to begin with. I'm sure there's other examples, but the scripture gives you quite a few that he was a man who had some issues. He was a man who was really in it for himself, in it for his power, his control, as he viewed it on any given day. So what's the snare for you? What's the thing that you're holding on to to say, well, no, 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 this is, this is what I have to keep safe? Are you perplexed by what's preached, but you want to keep it imprisoned in this neat, comfortable thing called Sunday morning or small group or evening prayer, morning prayer, whatever it is, but you, you've encapsulated it. So, God, I have time for you. But again, you don't use the word prison. You just say, that's my special time for the Lord. The Lord just doesn't get any of my other time. He just gets that time. We will put different titles and names on it so that we can feel good about who? Me. Because most of us, if we acknowledge who we truly are before a righteous God, we're pretty much focused on me. Turns out the person that I woke up this morning, my wife will attest to this, how many people did I get dressed this morning? (laughs) Yeah, sorry, let's be honest. Three kids, I dressed me. If you're like, good father, scratch out that checkbox for him. I was worried about me. Some of you are like, well, at least he did dress himself. We'll give him like partial credit. I mean, we appreciate that. But it happens so quickly to us if we look and see what is happening. So I want to turn now to Ephesians. And I want you to see this different picture that Paul gives to how we should live, completely different from what King Herod has, that we are given every single thing that we need. Herod was trying to do it himself, his kingdom, his power, fix his wives, control it, keep his oaths, make people happy by what he did. Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus and started this way. He said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every." spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. You know, God doesn't really want your handsome looking outfits, your money, your car, or anything else. God really just wants you. But you are so committed to fancy looking outfits and nice looking cars and thick wallets and huge accounts of everything else God's discovered that going after those things is the only thing that will get your attention. The only thing. Herod's exceedingly sorry that he's going to have to kill someone. Exceedingly sorry. You've seen the cries of people in courtrooms when they have to confront someone who killed a family member and they're just tearing up. How dare you do that? And the person then looks and goes, I'm sorry. You ever seen the family? It is very rare. I know you can think of one or two because they're rare and they've been nationally publicized. Where the person says, I forgive you. (laughs) But more often than not, it's what? Burn. Let them rot. Let them sit there. 
Herodias was so upset that John would dare cross her. She wanted to make sure he was dead. She thought she was doing the right thing because no one crosses her. She knew her relationships. No one gets to mess with my relationship. Well, God, before all things, did mess with your relationship. He messed with it in a way where he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you, gives you every blessing, every blessing under heaven he gives to you in Christ. And yet we still are caught up in the fact, no, 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 it has to be the way I want it. It has to happen the way I need it to unfold. In him, writes Paul, in him that is Christ, we have redemption through his blood. We're restored. We don't keep it imprisoned. It's unlocked. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth in the fullness of time. This is the same gorgeous picture of Christ being born at the fullness, at just the right moment. See, for you, this morning may be that fullness of time moment where the Lord's shaking you and says, no more will you hide behind that barrier. No more will you be able to say, oh, no, 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 no. I like God's word. I just don't really want to change my life based on it. In the fullness of time, it could be this hour where the Lord says, no, I really did intend for you to be different. I intended for your life before me and after me to look in a way that the world would say, what has changed? And you'd be able to say, Christ, that's what changed. Because Christ changed me. It's the Lord who makes the promises that matter in our lives. See, we watch our words so that we might guard the living word that actually matters. John the was just preaching God's word, and it got him thrown in prison. And Herod thought that he was doing all the right stuff. Keep him in prison, keep him safe, keep him from his wife, you know, so that's all right, but he'll keep him alive. But he was really keeping the word of God locked up. But God's word will not be mocked. It will come back, and you found out that King Herod ended up tripping on what he thought was him helping. He got tripped because it created a scenario, his own dark sin created this scenario for John the Baptist's head to come off because Herod thought he was doing the right thing. Don't think you can beat God at his game. You cannot. Don't think that you can outwit him. Don't think that he doesn't know what you're thinking right now. <laughs> some of you are thinking, well, I'm not going to change that. I guarantee you. Someone's like, yeah, he can have, okay. Okay, I get it. We've done this common ground thing. You know, pastor wants us to step it up a little. Cool, but I'm not stepping all the way in. I'll just do enough that everyone will say, wow, you've changed. And that will make me feel good. God doesn't want you to feel good. He wants you to experience eternal life. God doesn't want people to smile at you. God wants to give you his son. God doesn't want you to feel happy about you. God wants you to feel happy about the entire world, that it is entirely his, and it's a gift he's given to you. It is my prayer, it is the Lord's prayer that on this day, you would watch your words, so that you might watch the word that dwells in you. For you, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, are temples of the Holy Spirit. He is in you at this moment. <laughs> and the sooner you realize that God is inside of you, 
the sooner God's going to be able to do infinitely more than you could ever have imagined. To him be all honor and glory and praise. Amen. We're glad you've connected with us online and look forward to the opportunity to see you in person. On behalf of everyone at Jordan, we hope you will join us as we gather in worship of our Savior, Jesus Christ, every Sunday morning at 930 at Beaver Creek Cinemas in the peak of good living, Apex, North Carolina.